Welcome to Remote Controlled, our new variety podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we're going to bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking to Sam Esmail, the creator and showrunner of Mr. Robot. So stay tuned. So welcome to the pilot of our remote-controlled podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum, the executive editor of TV of Variety. And I'm Michael Schneider, executive editor of IndieWire and editor-at-large at Variety. And we're thrilled to welcome our first guest, Sam Esmail. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here on your pilot. That's amazing. I mean... I know, you know, when, when when I did my pilot, it was like kind of crazy and nerve wracking and all that. But you guys seem calm, collected, <laughs> ready to go. I think your pilot was probably a little bit more work than this. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I don't know, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking so. But the, thanks for hacking your way into uh, this show. Awesome. Thanks, thanks so for much having for me. Us. Yeah. Yeah, I think a little bit more thought went into your pilot than it went into ours. <laughs> no, I think this is great. I'm having fun. I've got my coffee. You two are great. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Well, as as we're uh, speaking to we you, we do uh, need. We, I mean, I am serious about the theme song. We do need to f- crack that, figure that out. At some do point. you have any ideas for us? I don't know. I, mean, I could get Matt Quayle on it. You know, my composer. That, that, that could be cool. We couldn't have asked for anyone better. Yeah, Mac, I'm offering your services. Something a little ominous, a little creepy, but kind of groovy at the same time. Exactly, it's, it's a little bit of everything. That's a good tone. Yeah. Well, well, so Sam, uh, we're talking to you uh, on the eve of the Emmys, and congratulations Thank you. Uh, for all the nominations. Not bad for a first year show. It's it's sometimes hard for new shows to crack the Emmys, but but you pulled it off. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously it's incredibly humbling. I mean, when you know when we made the show, it, you know, you've seen the show. It's a little, little strange. It's a little weird little show, and the fact that it kind of broke out in this big way was it was really surprising and flattering and surreal and all of the all mixed emotions so it's but it's obviously it's just really great do you have jitters or you uh you got those emmy jitters or i mean i'm just nervous about going up there i mean obviously i don't know if i'm gonna win or not but if i have to go up there i'm gonna be a nervous wreck and that's yeah i'm just not a good public speaker but um so there's a part of me that hopes (laughs) i could just stay in my seat and uh and not have to not have to go up in front of millions of people and and make some awkward thank you speech (laughs) so so it would be a mix of Damn. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Damn relief. Or yeah. hooray. Oh, crap. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So mixed emotions. Mixed emotions. That's, just, that's the thing about Mr. Robot. We always have these mixed emotions. High highs and, and uh, frightening uh, lows. Frightening lows, yeah. But another great thing about it is also seeing Rami get recognized for his performance as well. That I am 100% hoping. Uh, I just think he's so deserving. I always talk about when we uh, when we audition. It's actually funny because, uh, you know, the pilot got nominated uh, under the writing program, but... Um, but when we were auditioning people for the for the Elliot part, um, and uh, we were auditioning amazing actors, and um, and it wasn't it just wasn't working, and I just would turn to Chad Hamilton, my uh, my executive producer, and I was like, you know, I think the script is terrible. Like it's not working. This just this is terrible. I mean, it's it's I hate this guy. It's not coming off great, and like he's preachy and ranty and I, I this isn't working we should just go to USA I'll, I'll maybe I have some of the money back I'll give some of the money back to them and we'll do a refund and then Rami came in and just blew it out of the water so um, I really I mean that just tells you how much how 
critical he is to the success of the show. So I, I, I hope he, he, he wins. And, and, and if I win, it's definitely due to his performance in large part, you know? Well, I hope if, if Rami does win, uh, maybe Christian will show up and, and sort of uh, start to narrate his speech or, <laughs> or, or something. Or maybe Christian will just go up there in lieu of Rami and everyone just kind of had that head scratching. Wait a minute, is that Rami? Is that Christian? It would certainly explain a lot. It would, right? Or would it just ask more questions? No, you would probably ask more questions. <laughs> well, and the thing is, people are also going to dissect, uh, if you do win or if Rami wins, dissect your acceptance speech. Right. They're going to look for Easter, Easter eggs. eggs. They're, they're yep. going to expect, okay, what's 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 the twist? What, what, what are you throwing at us? Right, right, right. And more importantly, will Rami wear a hoodie? I want him to. Um, I highly doubt it, because if you know Rami... Uh, you know, separate from the character, he's n the opposite of Elliot. He is the most charismatic, the most social, uh, the most smooth. I mean, and he's so stylish. Um, I'm probably more, <laughs> I'm wearing the hoodie. If I could, I'd wear the hoodie. If Emmy would let me, I would wear the hoodie to the Emmys. But yeah. She's not, she's not let, let, letting me leave the house with this thing on. Yeah, so. yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're Elliot's stylist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but you're right about Rami in that, you know, and, and seeing him a couple of times at, at events at, uh, yeah. you know, at various universal parties or what have you. Uh, he's the most gregarious. He, he seems to really enjoy yeah. his life and, and right now especially so different from Elliot. And that Absolutely. tells you what amazing actor he is. I, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, because I did a little Q&A before we actually did the audition and just in talking to him, I'm like, oh, this guy is, I mean, he would have to transform himself to be Elliot because this guy is just not, you know, he's like the coolest guy I've ever met. Um, and then he does his thing and it's, kind of magical really blows you away so we're talking to you at an interesting time you're about to wrap up the second season of the show right I mean it feels like going into the season you took on a huge task you were going to write and direct all of the episodes how are you feeling well I now? didn't I didn't write all of them I, I wrote a good chunk of them but I but I did direct all of them just wanted to clear that up so that my writers don't get mad at me <laughs> I stand corrected you were directing all the episodes yeah. certainly a huge burden how are you feeling now that it's all done uh, a little relieved um, though um, though we're going back into season three in a couple of weeks so it just kind of keeps on going and you know the, the thing about it is you know obviously I, I asked to do this it wasn't something that was necessarily put upon me but um, it's tough and it's difficult but I love our characters I love the world. I love the people that I have to work with, and uh, or that I do work with. So I, 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 it's it's all in all, it's pretty exciting, and, and you know I can't complain. I mean, this is this is fun stuff we get to do. So, um, so it's a it's it's once again that that word mixed emotions. It's 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 you know it's exhausting, but at the same time exhilarating. So is is the plan to direct all episodes in season three? That then? is the plan. Yeah. Uh, are you insane? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you not seen the show? I'm, I'm pretty insane. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what did you learn from from directing all the episodes, and and uh, you know, was it as taxing as you know it sounds, or were you able to sort of figure out a, a hack, as it were, to, to survive uh, directing all? I those? like what you did there. No, I look, I, I'm a very. Uh, I'm very much a filmmaker more than, I consider myself more of a filmmaker than, than a writer. In fact, I only wrote to sort of support the directing end. Um, so I'm more comfortable, that's sort of the position I'm more comfortable being in. And so in the first season, it was really hard. I was on set every day, regardless of whether I was directing or not, because this, you know, the, the visual language of the show is so specific. And, um, and in, in a weird way, in the second season, when I was directing all of them, it just streamlined that process and it actually made that part of it 
easier. The the thing that's really always been a challenge for me, um, just coming from uh, the feature world, is is the whole like you know in features you write the thing, you then shoot the thing, and then you cut the thing. In TV, you're writing, shooting, editing all at the same time. You know, like during the day, at night you could be editing. I mean, I was literally directing in the morning, editing at night, and then maybe doing a rewrite. You know, for the next episode we're about to shoot. That's the crazy part of TV that you kind of always have to f- find a way to you know get stamina for. Well, talk about. Uh I guess, I guess first off, what's really interesting about season two as well is by now the, the fans are there, like we mentioned, they're looking for Easter eggs. They're yeah. looking for sort of what the, the twist is, what's the big yeah. reveal going to be. And, and you had early on a lot of people on social media, especially speculating, uh, giving their thoughts, trying to crack the code yeah. as it may be. What do you think as as a creator, as a showrunner, do you love that they do that? Are you worried that they're going to get too close to reality? Do you want them to suspend a little more disbelief? Well, you know, it, I'm glad you asked that question because it's, it's a little little strange to me that um first of all i let me just answer i do love that i mean that's part of the reason why i wanted to make this show is that there's a whole other level of engagement that goes past watching that 45 minutes or whatever however that hour-long episode um and then turning it off and waiting until the next week now there's all this other stuff that you're going to do after the show. You're going to maybe rewatch the show or rewatch parts of the show or or go online and, and text people or and communicate with people and um, and theorize collectively. That to me is just a whole other level of engagement that I love, and and that's really specific to television more so than films because you build a community in, the, in sort of the, these weekly airings. Um, and it was something I never really felt uh, since Lost. Um, you know, Lost kind of really had that canvas where you could read into things and decode things and there were mysteries that the writers were intending for you to to look into but the but the second part about it is is that i'm not trying to avoid the truth i want people to kind of and 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 obviously we withhold things but that's you know that obviously that's part of storytelling in terms especially when you're telling a mystery which is basically what mr robot is at the end of the day it's a it's a it's a mystery and um but it's great that people can try you know can unlock things and kind of discover things and discover reveals and it doesn't bum me out if they do because that means we did our job that means we're not cheating and that means that there that, that there, all the intentionality that we had even though we didn't reveal the the answer was there because people are picking up on it I know you've said that you've plotted this out as a movie is it following the course that you've always intended yeah I mean obviously there's a lot of things that changed because you know when you know the movie was really more just just Elliot Elliot all day long, um, and then when we sort of went into the tele and into the television mode, we sort of expanded that world and went into uh, into different directions with the character with you know the other characters the supporting characters. But um, but Elliot's journey and and sort of the main storyline is pretty much intact from the you know the feature version. How are those characters emerging as you've gotten to know the cast? I mean, you know, it's weird because I get all I got all these warnings from other showrunners. Like when you go into TV, you know, it's like the second season. Like you know, when the cast starts to become a pain in the ass potentially, <laughs> and uh, you may have to kill a couple of off or change storylines or whatever. 
I, I, I love everybody. I mean, obviously, you know, we work together and it's a working environment. You're always going to have your days and your moments, but everybody's just amazing and different and unique. I mean, what Martin does with Terrell is very different than what Portia does with Angela and what Stephanie does with Joanna. And um, I, I, it's just, and that's part of the reason why in the second season I was excited to expand the world because I got to, I got to play with all these different actors in a really, a really, really fun way. What? And I thought it brought real fresh breath of air to the show and what one actor in particular that you've gotten to spend a lot more time with this season is bd wong um and and really sort of flesh out that character which which has been amazing we got to see a little bit of in season one but but talk talk a little bit about exploring that well you know in a weird way that's probably one of the most difficult characters because you know she white rose is in well she's got two identities right and let's just talk about white rose she's she's just very mysterious by nature and although i know the answers um it's hard to have to share (laughs) (laughs) um no spoilers but it's hard it's hard to dole that out to bd and and to direct bd in a way without spilling everything and and and, and, you know and if i were to even tell him everything I, i think that potentially could confuse him even more so it's it's a it's a weird balancing act with that character and it's also like how much do we share with the audience because you know part of the appeal about that character is the mystery you know yeah it's a, it's a tricky character but obviously at the end of, it's, it's difficult in making it in the process of writing it and working with bd on it but and then you watch it on the screen it's all worth it you know well, what about the cast overall? How much how much do you share with the actors about their characters? So I I do this thing. This is another thing I was told not to really do, but I I did it anyway. But I would call every actor um, uh, as soon as we break the season. Um, I would call every actor before we wrote any episode. We just just in general, you know, here's the season arc and walk them through the whole entire season, and then hear any feedback and if they really had concerns or ideas or you know um, changes or thoughts. You know, we certainly incorporate it because at the end of the day, you know, these actors are are there to help me create the character. Um, you know, the Elliot that I wrote in that pilot in my you know apartment all alone was not the Elliot that was on screen that was that was me and Rami doing that and uh, and doing that together so uh, ultimately all of these characters I look as like a sort of uh, a collaboration with those actors so I want to include them in the process as early as possible and then talk about integrating new characters and new actors into the show I mean I love the character of Dom yeah, she. I mean, Grace, and once again on the page, very different. In fact, I think originally I, I, she was old, a lot older, and um, and then I just sort of I kind of have this weird casting process where I, I strip out everything. I'm like, but I just want to see every you know background, every age, you know, I just kind of like whatever. I I I just want it to be an open book, and of course, Grace came in, and it was kind of a little bit like the the Rami moment where she just blew me away, and she's. She's just a brilliant actress, and she brings this like it. You know that character is always tough for me because um, it could get very cop TV very quickly, and that you know the tone of our show kind of didn't lend itself to that. And somehow Grace kind of adds this weird idiosyncratic thing to it that is a borderline. You know, she still has to do the, the, the detective work and all of that, but it it just feels so odd and different from that that it, and it fits in our show so well um but, but that that's the great thing about working with different actors on our show is that we always and with our casting directors beth and susie we always try and find these uh, these actors for these parts that 
that are a little different. I mean, there's obviously going to be the people that come in there a little bit more straightforward and, and, and they're great and they execute and they execute it well. But we're always looking for somebody who's just a little off, a little left of center. You know what I mean? And I think everybody does. I mean, Craig, who played Ray, Craig Robinson, who played Ray, he, you know, not, not the obvious choice for that character, but he came in, did a great job. And um, it's just, it's just great to paint with all these different colors, you know? And, and also uh, Joey Badass. I mean, coming in and so uh, Joey, I really wanted in the first season. I just was a fan of his, for, you know, fan of, of his music, and um, and I didn't even have a part for him in the first season. I was just like, I he needs to be in the in in the show. He's just great. He's got a great presence. He's got a great voice, and um, and we couldn't get a hold of him. I, I think uh, my casting director Beth tried to find his manager or track down something and like it was all you know weird email addresses on weird websites and she couldn't find them and so the second season i was like no i'm writing this character and it's got to be joey and um and then he came in he weirdest audition ever he was like in this camo hoodie and um and he was eating an apple the entire audition while he was uh, doing this scene and I was like okay he's gonna need eat an apple during this scene that's that's cool that's cool yeah and um but he was great he was amazing and you know it was it was kind of a no-brainer I mean he's he kills the role yeah know? and I think we really do need to get him to recap the, the entire run of Seinfeld I mean I would 100% be down for that we should we should create another podcast that's I was, I gonna was just gonna say that <laughs> that is a podcast. sister variety podcast yes absolutely I love it. Our, we're starting yeah. a spin-off in our <laughs> yeah. pilot episode we're launching our own spin-off yeah yeah it's just Joey Badass each week recapping whatever's on, maybe Mr. Robot. Um, or Alf, which is a segue to my next yes, question. Yes, yes. Speaking of Alf. Yeah. yeah. So you've taken some creative risks this season. Talk about coming up with the idea for Alf and how the network, you sold that idea to the network. Well, I mean, it, it, it was it was weird because it, it was a risk. And I thought, you know, uh, our, you know, the, the, the good thing about what we tried to do in this season was sort of explore Elliot's internal struggle vis-a-vis mr robot and um and so obviously that you know what the hell does that look like how do you dramatize someone who's sort of going uh going literally crazy within within his own mind and specifically with the sitcom that was during a moment where he was getting uh essentially brutally beaten by these thugs and um and we wanted to actually show how Robot could actually protect him in this moment. And so, um, Robot, so, so, so Elliot sort of reverts into this like happy place. And so we all, of course, when in the writers' room, we're like, oh, what does that happy place look like? And again, like maybe the straightforward version would be, you know, like a happy dream sequence. Um, but you know we were like let's get more specific and we, you know uh, people you know the writers who are sort of uh aged like me you know in, in the late 30s or whatever we were we were thinking about what 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 is that thing that you know growing up that we always sort of glommed onto as a as a sort of safe happy place and that's when the sitcom came up in tgif specifically because we were all sort of fans of that and even though there you know the good thing about that idea was and the reason why it fits so well is that even though we don't, we you know, as kids, it wasn't like we were stupid. And we were like watching this. And we we're like, wow, this is real life. Like this is how people really live. No, we realized that there was this real falseness to it, but it was comforting anyway. And I think that really sold the concept of what. Oh, oh this could be a really good way to sell the Elliot dilemma here. Um, and of course, we pitched it to the network. 
thinking, okay, they're going to obviously say, this is crazy, you can't do this. And uh, they, they absolutely said the opposite. Yeah, well, not only that, they, they actually went into their vaults and found like a, yeah, an old, old 1990 US, yeah. USA Network logo. Right. And then what's more is there actually was no such thing as Word Up Wednesday. You guys no. just made that up we and created an entire new promo. And we found the guys who created the jingles back then for TGIF and all the opening theme songs for, you know, Step by Step and Perfect Strangers and Full House. And they created Word Up Wednesday and our, yeah. and our theme song. It was, it was great. Which is great because I can't imagine they've worked much, in <laughs> at least doing what they used to do. Not a lot of uh, business for those kind of jingles anymore. So, so, yeah. but uh, the, the reaction again was, well, uh, another thing that's sort of fun about Mr. Robot is, I mean, obviously it's, it's a very dark show and you're dealing with some dark themes and especially this season with, with the collapse of, of society and, and E-Corp and all that, you know, some, from some very dark stuff, but then you throw in sort of these, these light elements. And so we could take, kind of take a breather with things like Word Up Wednesday. Right. And of course with Craig Robinson and even Joey Badass, talk, talk about the balance that you you strive to achieve on this show well the thing is um you know with a show that gets this gets to to get to like these levels of darkness and these levels of struggle um and and we're exploring loneliness which can get really heavy we don't want to be self-serious and in a, in a lot of ways we're, none of us are you know and i'm speaking not just for, for myself but for the writers uh in the room uh so we we always know that the show needs to take jabs at itself at itself and um and uh, and like you know have that humor and and it's been there since the the, the first season so um because you know the the thing about the thing about our tone which is which is which is weird is that we do oscillate from like a guy crying in the corner of his own apartment uh to alf and how do you do that and that's a tricky thing but it's important because a guy cr crying in the corner of his apartment every week is just gonna get really depressing and you're just gonna want to turn off the tv and 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 maybe go watch alf and so we were like but but in a weird way that that sort of urge to leave the cry like no we don't want to just watch crying every like that was the thing that kind of inspires the ideas of Alf and the inspires the ideas of a guy who's like riffing on Seinfeld. It's it's kind of like those kind of go hand in hand. That humor, uh, and especially because it's like kind of the darker humor, mm -hmm. kind of goes hand in hand with the sort of maybe more serious looks at loneliness, for example. Yeah, yeah. Even going back to Dom and that that the, her lollipop obsession and 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 her awkward exchange with with the guy who runs the the convenience store right downstairs. and her relationship with alexa a very defining <laughs> right, relationship. right right oh yeah which yeah given last night's episode yeah 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 exactly which we haven't seen but uh yeah i mean that's the thing it's like again exploring i mean this is this is a character who most of her scenes are by herself she's you know she doesn't have a spouse. She doesn't have, uh, you know, a, a, a family member. She's she's alone. And what, how do you make that interesting and not too heavy? And you know, so you give her you give her a friendly AI to talk to. Exactly, <laughs> it's an important relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, talk about working with USA. What's that exchange like? How you know? How does it go back and forth between you and them? They're terrible and overbearing, and they uh, <laughs> they don't let me do anything. And uh, no, I mean, says with on. a big smile. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, guys, look at the show. I mean, they are 
a hundred million percent supportive of uh, the crazy things that we do and the risks that we take. I mean, look, there was a real temptation, and they didn't stop me at all. There wasn't a. I mean, obviously, they always they always note and ch- and challenge things when they think things could get better and that I appreciate that I want and invite um, but they never were afraid to take risks along with me because there's a real temptation after the first season and because there was a lot of success in the first season to essentially do that again you know you know, do you know uh, okay we'll have another F Corp and uh, <laughs> and that'll be the big storyline and it's a big um, alphabet yeah and then we'll have our uh, our love interest will die at some point and you know and we'll basically kind of pattern the same thing and We'll just rinse, repeat, and that's honestly a lot of TV shows do do that, and and then there's no knock against them. But you know, with our show, because we do have this sort of overarching storyline that we're trying to hit and stay on, um, they were on for the ride. And the second season is very different than the first season, and um, and it, that that in and of itself was a risky move. And then the things that we did in that season were all risks that they appreciated and and they they were actually fans of you know they i could genuinely tell that they liked what they were seeing and what they were reading so so was there anything in the room that you guys came up with that you decided yeah no no we we can't pull this off or usa is not gonna go for this oh yeah Yeah. all the time and usa so shocked us time and time again by completely supporting us yeah i mean we would come up with stuff i mean the sitcom was probably one where they were we were like yeah there's no there's no way they're, they're just going to say no and and they were they were not 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 only are were they not even uh, uh hesitant about it but then they they did all the things that you said well then they offered all, all these ideas and suggestions on how to like sell it even more yeah so um i can't i mean i i there are no horror stories here they were totally 100 percent supportive was there any self-censorship at all was there anything in the room that you guys decided not to do or decided that uh it, it might be a little too much well we, we you know look we we always do our, we always pitch a range of ideas that can go really dark and i think yeah. it goes back to that self-serious thing where it's like wait a minute guys are we just like totally where are we right now we're in we're in like in some uh in some really dark territory and that we may not be able to come back from tonally and so we always try and balance that out within the room but it was never uh well usa is not going to go for it that was never kind of a concern how much pressure do you feel to answer questions and raise questions and resolve mysteries going into the finale and setting things up for next season well mysteries are you know mysteries are interesting because they you know I think they're meant to be more short form, right? Uh, you set up a mystery and you want to know, and you know, the audience wants, wants an answer to that mystery and they want it relatively quick. Otherwise they get really frustrated. Um, so what, what we try and do on the show, because we, we can't, right? You can maybe do that for a movie, obviously a book or a limited series, you know, True Detective, you, who's the killer. And then by the end of eight episodes, you find out the killer and then you move on. That's the end of it. Um, but obviously, we're a long-running series. We're going to go a few seasons, and it's there are tons of mysteries. Um, and there's just not there's not you know who's the killer. There's there's a million questions that you, that we're and, and we're so the the idea is is that we kind of try and do this balancing act of answering questions um, while se- uh, while setting up 
more questions and you just try and keep toe that line you try and like do that uh that thing where you kind of mini- mitigate frustrations by answering a, a couple of things but but then but then raising more questions that hopefully are more intriguing that hopefully bring you down the rabbit hole in a fun and exciting way right because we're uh, the whole thing is about keeping people engaged and that that is what mystery is great at is that you want to know the answer to whatever the big the big questions are and um and that and so if you get some of the answers that will hopefully alleviate some of the frustration but it's it's a it's a really difficult thing to do and i think because the first season we had a lot of mystery and you know people were into it and they were like okay cool the second season it's just like there is a lot more mystery and the frustration level might be a little bit higher but hopefully the ride is gonna offset that and that's you know that's just the hope you know so how much attention do you pay to social media and twitter and reviews Uh, while you're writing or making the show or do you just tune it all out well, when we're creating the show, when when I'm writing or directing, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't pay attention to that because we, you know, we have to kind of stay focused. But like when when the show comes out, I'm definitely on social media and I'm reading every review and I'm reading, you know, all the responses. Yeah, and are I'm you responding? <laughs> Sometimes I'll pop in on Reddit every now and then because I'm I'm a big redditor from back in the day. But like I I I, I genuinely don't try and get into a critical conversation with people because the thing is. I'm not trying to convince anyone that you're that if you are critical of the show you're wrong and here's why you're wrong and because um, that that I feel like that would be that I feel like crosses some weird line because I am like kind of the creator in the show so I don't, I don't want to get into that debate but I do love reading all yeah. the feedback do you do you, do you actually identify yourself on Reddit or yeah, you, yeah 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 no no they gave me a little I mean I, I hate my picture but <laughs> I have my little picture on there so yeah uh, I mean at the same time though it uh it, does it drive you nuts seeing the, the pros and cons or are you able to tune out the the critics no i i read all the all the criticisms i you know i have to say like i um i don't tune them out there's a lot of look there's a lot of critics it's like within any industry right most of them are going to not be great you know you know again this is in any industry every like the writing industry most writers are not that great then you have like the top ones that are kind of great and those the ones of variety are fantastic of course <laughs> variety being one of them absolutely um actually mo 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 is a critic on your yeah i i love her i yeah. think she, uh, uh i and this is not just for my show i read i read her reviews for other shows as well um so I and 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 the guy, you know, the people that don't, the, so the people that I respect that I read, who are knocking the show, it's like, yeah, I I, I see their point. I probably disagree with them and but i they've articulated their point in a good way and um and uh, if i could have a conversation with them i'd articulate my point back we could have a healthy debate about it but again not trying to convince them of anything and i I don't think they're trying to convince me of anything um i just think that's great to have like the thing that's great about any art medium you know any, any sort of like uh television movie book whatever it is music debate conversation people arguing about it um i i love that i mean i do that in my own life uh, you know uh, uh, you know like a lot of these critics some some of them there's one specifically that i i love her i love her reviews i she 
loves some stuff that I ju- I just think is terrible, terrible. Yeah. Um, but I love reading her reviews. I think her reviews are well written, well thought out. Um, but I just I, I just I can't I can't understand why she likes the certain things that she does like. So it's like it's like that thing where it's like I can appreciate the you know the the criticism, but you know the the taste doesn't necessarily have to align. Yeah, you don't quite understand why Kevin James is coming back to television, but that's okay. Um, what uh, what what would you say is maybe the harshest uh, critique that you've gotten, and what was your reaction to it? The harshest critique was it anyone who had any sort of legitimate. Uh, Thoughts? Well, or? you know, here's what I'll say, because Matt Zoller Seitz. Matt Zoller Seitz is a guy I totally respect. He's w- one of my favorite critics, especially in television. And um, he wrote this article about twists, right? And he asked that there be a post-mortem on He didn't like the twist, uh, I guess, in either season of our show. Uh-huh. And, um, and, I, and I, by the way, kind of don't use that word. I, I like to say reveals and, um, and uh, you know, he, he, but regardless, he sort of went on this rant about how uh, he wants a postmortem on twist. They just don't work on television. And per, my personal, I mean, my personal plea would be writers out there who are, you know, trying to break into the industry, prove him wrong and come out with a show that can, that can make it happen, that can make yeah. it work. Um, the thing about this, he has really good solid points and it goes back to that thing about can you make a long sustaining series that's a mystery that's not going to frustrate people and tease them in the wrong way and, and be able to answer uh, questions as well as raise more questions in the right way. And it, it is a tough balancing act in TV. but. It's also a very engaging way of story, a form of storytelling that I hope that I hope uh, doesn't get discouraged, and I hope that people come into television and try and prove prove that. Yeah. you know. And you've now seen several shows through the last decade say attempt that. So you, I, I assume you've learned a lot from what's worked in the past and what hasn't worked in the past. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I you know, like I for like Lost being, I honestly I don't know. I mean, like Twin Peaks clearly like i you know that's a that's a great show but i think the the problem with that mystery was it was really one question right who, who killed laura palmer, mm-hmm. palmer and there really wasn't much past that and i you know x files to me felt more procedural so i never really got into i, I never really got into x files and obviously they they kind of used that mystery storytelling but like I would I would say Lost was probably the biggest in influencer because it to me that's the one that raised a bunch of questions and and would answer it and dole it out in a really smart way. Yeah. I think one of the things that helped was setting an end date so that you knew that there was an end date and you could write yeah. to an end date. And I was going to say that's I think one of the things that's helping probably with your planning is knowing that you're writing to an end date too or at least that you've got a certain season planned or right. a certain number of seasons planned. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and and that's the that's the key. It's you know I think sometimes with other shows, especially more uh, uh, broadcast network shows that do uh, that are predicated on a mystery or a central mystery or whatever, um, they don't actually they intentionally don't know the answer because they want to keep it going as long as possible, and so they're constantly just coming up with ways to throw off the audience and red herrings and um, and maybe there's an answer here, but you know it's really just a loop back around. Um, and we're not doing any of that. I, we have very much, there's a lot of intentionality to what we're showing and what we're revealing to the audience. But that's precisely because we have an end date and we have an answer and, and a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So given that, could you imagine ever doing a spinoff? I mean, I know you're not. 
I would love to. I, I, you know, I, I look. I, these are all great, great questions and great problems to have. And if, if they want to do a spinoff, I mean, there's several characters in the show that I love that I would gladly do that. Um, and I love, I love storytelling in this sort of 360 sort of way. I mean, this is the thing that I, I talk about a lot, which is, you know, storytelling in sort of the, you know, I, I don't want to say the old the conventional way is you, you know, the idea is you want to know what happens next. It's very linear. It's beginning to middle to end. And you are, you are engaged because you want to know what what's going to happen to this person in the next scene and the next scene and the next scene but now as we're kind of getting into this sort of more transmedia experience where uh, you're doing spin-offs and you're doing you know other me you know little webisodes or whatever it is or comic books or books or whatever you're now expanding it now it's now it's not about what happens next but it's what what, what happened before and what happened over there on that storyline and it's this more 360 panoramic view of storytelling that i think would be great so yeah i'm down for a spinoff yeah and you've been doing a lot of that this season especially doing yeah. uh the you know what uh, the, the vr experience doing the the horror yeah. movie that inspired them as yeah. kids yeah, which yeah. was a lot of fun i mean talk a little bit about all the ancillary stuff now now in success you're able to do and you get to do yeah no again like um and 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 the weird part is i would say b back in the day that stuff was looked upon as purely just marketing for the show mm -hmm. right like or for whatever it was the movie um and it, there wasn't any storytelling thought necessarily put into that it was just how do we market this so that when people watch that they're going to want to watch the main thing in the in the middle for me, whenever we created like the book that we did, you know, which is the actual composition book that Elliot was writing in the beginning of the second season, or the VR film, which is actually a flashback to when Elliot and Shayla had their first date, it's another story. It's not just um, a piece of marketing to promote the show, but it's a standalone thing that you could watch or you can experience or you can read. Um, and uh, it tells a story on its own. And if you wanted to stop there, then that's where your Mr. Robot experience ends. But if you wanted to explore other things, and it kind of just opens up more of this world as opposed to uh, trying to feed you into something else. Just promise me Alf is in whatever spin-off you so. do. <laughs> More 80 sitcoms, please. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so what do you, uh, I don't know if you have time, given that you are directing every single episode, but when you do have some spare time, what do you watch? What, uh, what have you uh, enjoyed? Well, I love Atlanta. Have you seen yeah. the show? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing because, I mean, you know the other kind of n knock that we get on the show uh, this season was that we're, we're, uh, the plot was very, we were kind of like, where's the plot? People wanted to get the plot kick in, kicked in. And I was like, that, that to me is never the interesting part. You know, plot is just the excuse to talk about characters and, and relationships and all of that. But Atlanta, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm on the third episode. I guess the plot is he's trying to break into the music business, but that is not the reason why I'm watching it. I mean, the second episode of the season, he is locked away in a spoiler. Uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. Um, he's locked away for our main character is locked away. You know, um, while while we're kind of floating around with this other character, and it's great, yeah. and it's just great hanging out with these characters. And that is the beauty of TV is that you don't have to, you know, stick to the plot and like you know uh, be so plot heavy. You can just like spend an episode with a with a guy in a room and like as long as there's something engaging and interesting happening and that Atlanta just does that really well I'm trying to think I, lo I love the first episode of Better Things um, which kind of does the same thing yeah right. yeah I mean Louie you know 
Louis, I mean, it's not on the air anymore, but Louis is, you know, he, that's one of my favorite favorite shows of all time. And it, precisely because, you know, he just didn't care about, pl- I mean, there was no plot. I mean, it was just, just sort of these snippets of his life and fragments and surreal, you know, little moments that didn't really ha- necessarily have an end point. It just kind of came in, drifted in and drifted out. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah, the, um, the influence of that show. And now he's executive producing, including right. Better Things, and also Tig Notaro's new show that also sort of right. is inspired by that. I haven't watched it. Is that, it's wonderful. It's yeah, great. Yeah, It'll wanna, break your heart, but it's amazing. <sighs> so many good shows. <laughs> Too much TV, right? <laughs> Too much TV. Too I much guess TV. this is what people are saying. This is what people were talking about. Now I get it. Yeah. It's a high-class problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to say, though, comedy seems to be killing it, right? Yeah. I keep calling it the half-hour drama because I, it, I think that's really where it's at right now. Because I can't even... I'm not... Are, dramas, I'm not... I can't think of one that's coming out right now that... I mean, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by Westworld. Did, have you guys seen Westworld? It's intriguing. Let's go with it, intriguing. That's one that also... Uh, mm. it's It has so many moving parts it's it's fascinating it's a, it's a complicated and, world they've built they've yeah. built a really interesting world yeah okay. yeah no i can't wait to see more it's yeah. it's still early days to really kind of give the verdict on it yet are you guys like on some kind of you can't talk about it uh well, we're talking about you we're talking about <laughs> mr robot <laughs> so we don't want to go too really far want, okay all right, all right, all right. <laughs> the other one i'm very excited about is the crown but that's my thing yeah did you see did you see that's the netflix show yes, right I've seen and, it. and it's it's great it's really good but okay. it's my thing it's you know okay. nothing happens nothing right. happens a lot of british people standing around i love nothing happens yeah i, I love mean nothing happens. this is you know i wrote a character that talked about another show that where nothing happens you know <laughs> so, so that's a, nothing that's a is like one of my favorite it's a subjects really good thing. i i love i love that he's just going through must-see tv so yeah. i guess you know next to fraser uh where's he yeah yeah after he burns well, through seinfeld right or friends or fr- yeah it friends obviously way, yeah, 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 yeah yeah or or the single guy so here's another theoretical question for you. Yeah. If you could have sat in any writer's room in the history of television, what writer's room would you have loved to sit in on? The Sopranos. I mean, the thing about The Sopranos, like now that we're talking about like how amorphous shows can be because they don't really have to adhere to a plot, Sopranos did that really well. I mean, one of my favorite episodes is The Test Dream, which I remember the reaction that got, at least in my small circle of friends, and I would read about it online too, that people weren't really into it because it was just this episode that essentially nothing happened and he was in a dream the whole time but what a way to to explore psychology i mean and that's something i know that that's a real priority in our writer's room but i just think you know that and those great scenes um with lorraine brocco and 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 uh, the therapy sessions I, I just wondered how they cracked that and how they figured all that out and did they talk to a consultant? I mean, they were just so well done and there was just so much humanity in it. And and here's the thing, it was so creative. And, and that's one thing that I that I love about what we do in our show in the, in the writer's room, but that I really love about not just The Sopranos, Mad Men and um, uh, Louie and you know, all these shows, j- they get really creative and they take a lot of risks. But The Sopranos had no business doing a lot of the weird stuff they, like you were, you thought you were watching, I mean, do you remember that poster, the first season of Sopranos? It was like that, um, what was that Billy Crystal, Robert De Niro movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? Right. Uh, uh, I can't remember uh, what, the, what was it called. Where he had like the mafia on the one side yeah, and his yeah, family yeah, the on family the other. other. It's gonna, it's gonna and, come. And to the me. gun in the Sopranos logo. Yeah, analyze well, this. Yeah. It was yeah. analyze this. Mm-hmm. So you thought that was the show, and that, and then you start watching it, and it just takes you in all these wonderful, weird, different directions, and it's just, it was, it's great. Well, and that was 15 years ago, where TV was still all about procedurals, exactly. it was about Law and Order, well, it was about, and this is the 
thing. I was never really a fan of TV because I was never really a fan of procedural type shows. Like after, you know, after a few episodes, I'm like, okay, I get it. This is what happens in the beginning and the middle and the end. And so, yes, you vary, you have different variables throughout every, every episode, but that that's the formula and it i, I kind of would zone out after a while um i would never stick with the show i would maybe watch a few episodes and drop off sopranos was really the first time i really sank in and and and, and, and around the same time i think like west wing also kind of but you know they were more obviously more straightforward i think i think sopranos for me from a filmmaking perspective they were trying uh, you know really creative things change the game yeah completely changed the game yeah. Uh, that's sure. the golden age of TV right now. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. Wait, we just wrote that. Thank you for joining TV Talk. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining thank our you pilot. Guys. It's great to see you. This is awesome. I think we did a good job for the pilot. I, I, I think. Okay. I think. I think our show's going to get picked up. I think we did okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we'll up. go to series. <laughs> uh, good luck uh, at the Emmys. Thank you. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, the season finale. Awesome. Thanks, awesome. guys. Thanks, Thanks for coming Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another fabulous guest. It's Greg Berlanti, the executive producer of some of your favorite shows, including Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it. This has been Remote Controlled, only on Variety. Variety.